You are listening to the Contemplative Motherhood Podcast. My name is Chelsea. I'm a teacher, practitioner, spiritual director, and pilgrim. And I'm Erin, a creative, homeschool educator, counselor, and spiritual seeker. Listen in as we dive deeper into the contemplative lifestyle through hearing about each of our lives. You'll hear our triumphs, failures, practices, and mistakes as we journey together. You might even hear a kid or two in the background. So grab some coffee, tea, curl up, and take off your shoes. You are welcome here. Now let's get started. Welcome, everyone, to our final episode of Season 1 of the Contemplative Motherhood Podcast. I am your co-host, Chelsea Whipple, and I'm here, of course, with the most beautiful Erin Thomas. Oh, my word. (laughs) You're so sweet. Thank you, friend. (laughs) Make mother feel a little less frumpy today. <laughs> oh, you don't look frumpy, especially no. if you're watching us on YouTube right now. Um, <laughs> so as we embark on our final episode of season one, Erin and I have had lots of discussion of how could we kind of, um, I think we even use the metaphor like landing the plane, mm-hmm. even though I think we're going to feel like we're still flying high. Um, I don't know if I ever really want to land, but how could we collectively come together and put everything, you know, interweave all of the different episodes of season one into kind of an, an ending formation. So this is our best. It's our best efforts. Best effort on doing this. And So we're going to just share some thoughts that we've individually or collectively noticed since we first began this season. And I'm going to jump right in and start us off. So one thing I noticed that was interweaved in probably the majority of our episodes, you know, all of our episodes, we talked about our kids and our relationships to our kids. And one thing I noticed and even talked about, and Erin would jump in with her examples, is that my kids surprise me continuously when I'm in their presence. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is never a dull day in the Whipple household <laughs> um, <laughs> for various reasons. We all, you know, uh, just today, for example, we had a singing competition. And so that in itself obviously surprises me. But they really are the ones that off- offer glimpses of the divine more than anything else I connect with. It could just be a word or hear a moment. I could catch a glimpse of their eyes, anything like that, that just all of a sudden I can feel that divine presence. And I am truly fascinated by their nature. I mean, they just, all kids just have this newness to life about them, just figuring out the world around them, you know, conversations and questions that they ask me. And I have to think, okay, how age appropriate do I answer this question? (laughs) You know, and so I'm always surprised by the things that they say and really their inventive personalities. Like if we want to talk about what is sacred in our life day to day, that's one of them. I mean, the fact that we don't have dull days and even the dull days where it just seems like everything goes on as planned and nothing out of the ordinary happens. There's always something creative that pops in. And I love just absolutely noticing that with them. It's, you know, each day them waking up, 
And I get the pleasure of watching them firsthand really come into their own being and how that relates to everything around them and their own different distinct personalities and their likes and dislikes that changes on a daily basis, even if they decide if they like each other that day. It's just them finding their footing in this world. And I compare it, it's truly like watching a butterfly every day slowly rise out of its cocoon. I mean, my kids have so much to teach me and I love it. Erin, what about you? I love that. I think, you know, that's one of the, just the easiest things to notice for me is in a similar fashion, I think I've noticed that wonder in general is so inherent in my children, um, so built into their being that they teach me to ask questions, even difficult questions that could even change the way I view the world. Um, Their innocent promptings to inquire just out of sheer curiosity about life inspire me to be a curious, wonder-filled spiritual seeker, you know? Um, I also have um, two very animated children. Um, Again, it is not a dull home here either, as I'm sure (laughs) that's true for many. Um, My children are very charismatic individuals, and I use that term um, almost like they're little cartoon characters. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I have one in particular that has, both of them do, but one in particular that has a fascination with nature. And um, what I've really equated to this process is that he's filled with wonder for nature. And um, he'll ask questions that I don't know the answer to, but inspire me to seek out the answers. And, you know, things like I had never thought about why a particular insect has certain features or why each bird has its own call. Um, those type of questions, right? Don't your kids always ask you really mm-hmm. hard questions that you have oh to Google goodness. or don't yes. know the answer to? Um, yes. And I think that it's, it just speaks to the wonder and the curiosity that is inherent in them um, that I hope inevitably leads them to know the divine um, and connect with the divine and also know Um, the sacredness of more than just our outside world. So I'm inspired by their wonder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anything else, Charles? What? So this is, this is interesting. I, I want to know, have there been any challenges this season for you? Yeah. You know, if I would say what episode made the most impact or What's still sitting with me? What am I resonating or resisting with? You know, the episode we did on saying no. I am still like processing yes. this episode. <laughs> and, um, you know, and again, like I admitted in the episode, even now talking about it and going processing through that, you know, with you, Aaron, I still struggle with saying no to things that I intentionally care about. You know, meaning that I am involved in certain activities that fulfill my heart, that operate out of that heart center that we talked about. But even those activities are overwhelming at times. And 
you know, what I did not realize until after the episode, that it wasn't just the ego that can say yes too much. You know, another lesson I'm learning is to be intentional with my time. And I think that's important when it comes to what we decide to spend our energy on. You know, I had this one week after the episode where it seemed deadlines loomed everywhere I looked. You know, I did not feel intentional, but that I was just trying to survive. And I wondered, you know, how did I get myself into this mess after we just <laughs> had this discussion of saying no? Like, I thought I was doing Same. pretty good, you know? <laughs> I understand. But it was like, when it came to the surface, I realized like, no, 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 no. I'm not doing too good at this, you know? And it was asking myself, okay, I, I just talked about saying no, to not being overwhelmed, to be really in the daily presence and just be and not do, you know, what do I need to drop? And I went to my spiritual director, you know, really baffled about how I got myself into this situation. And then I had to laugh at myself. (laughs) Because, you know, one, I just don't think we laugh at ourselves enough. Like I had to laugh that I got myself into this. And, you know, that kind of eased some tension. And here I was teaching others to say no. And somehow I found myself in this mess. And. I excused it as saying that everything I was doing was intentional. It fed, you know, my heart center, gave me joy. It was energy inducing all those beautiful steps Mm -hmm. that we talked about. But I missed one thing that I found out later that we didn't really spend much time on. And that was about the intentionality of time. Is that's another step. Mm -hmm. You know, if we went, if we talk about being contemplatives and being intentional and being aware, you know, kind of those, those key words is that I was not intentional about the time I was spending. I was dedicating too much time to these things without being intentional in my daily walk, you know, without stopping to think, is this purposeful today? I know it has to be done and I've got a deadline to get some things done that there are that are on my heart, but is it necessary for today? Right. And then it was as if the intentionality of these acts turned into those set of tasks that that I had to be checked off, that I really didn't want to be that type of person anymore. And that episode really taught me a lot that how noticing what we've said yes to it can turn into too much and start to take away from ourselves. So looking at every day, just that day, not what's looming ahead, but as intentional time with the spirit. And sometimes I do too much that day. Sometimes I'm good at being. But it's really given me a deeper insight into the importance of a Sabbath day. And if you're not familiar with the Sabbath day, it's that day of rest. And it can be a certain day. Most of the time that would be Saturdays or it can just be any any time you want to take. But it's that day of intentionality of being one with no tasks performed. None of those yeses that are heart-centered for you, 
but really just being present that day. I think that's really important. And I've really had to try to learn to kind of evolve into that being. And that's going to take a while. And we're going to see how well I do at it. We'll check back. Yeah. But I, um, for me, it's that intentionality of time that I need to be aware of. Yeah. I, I, I love that Chelsea. I, I agree with you. And I think we've even talked about this, that that was probably the episode that I needed to hear more than any other episode. And also, um, was sort of internalizing the message for myself as we talked. Mm -hmm. Um, I found sort of the same deal as you is, you know, there are several things that are very close to my heart and, um, things that I'm very passionate about and feel very um, inclined to do, prompted to do. Um, And inevitably, that also um, has that sort of balancing act of struggling with saying no to things that I know I can and can complete, um, but realizing that there is also a prioritization that has to happen. And, you know, just like you, I found that I can, if I love something, I can create to-dos from things that I love to keep Mm -hmm. me busy. Um, That's not, (laughs) you know, to me, I was always one of those uh, people that can create work even if there's not work. Um, (laughs) I don't know how that happens. Um, (laughs) Just an inherent personality characteristic, but – um, and so, again, same with you. I have also um, learned to embrace the mindset of the Sabbath, too. Um, and for me, it looking like a rhythm in my life as well. Uh, one of the words that I like to use in my life is margin. Do I have margin in for unstructured time? being present with my family, being present in my relationships? Have I created margin in my children's lives? Um, Partnering with them and creating margin that I'm not overscheduling them and leaving time for unstructured play and reading to them and things that will connect us um, in our relationship. Leaving... um, some unscheduled time on the weekends with a focus on just family relationships. Um, I tend to be one of those people that I can get on social media and find 45 events that are happening that weekend that look really fun. Um, I'll say that COVID definitely (laughs) shifted that a bit, but we do like to be outdoors. And so, um, you know, but it doesn't always have to be some sort of structured activity that I have planned in order for us to engage in deepening our relationships, um, creating margin for quiet time. Um, and I know we'll get into this in a little bit, but solitude is not my (laughs) super big strength, um, as a social being. Um, but I have to say one of the things that has resonated with me that you shared a little bit about is that Sabbath has felt like an increasing desire to be a rhythm of active rest. And what I mean by that is it's not just that I am not doing anything per se that's on my list, but that I'm actually carving time for relationship 
And that um, reminder and that level of accountability um, to creating that margin has changed my life, uh, my health, definitely, and the quality of relationships that I have. Because if there's no margin to dialogue, if there's no margin to have conversation or sit next to each other on the couch and talk or um, meet a friend for coffee, then I have to ask myself genuinely what is the quality of that relationship? And that is how margin has been a wonderful tool. Um, going on a little bit, this is, again, one of our, our, our bigger challenges that was pretty thematic throughout our season. We touch on mom guilt. Mm. Um, and I just feel like that's a universal language. An Can uphill you make that battle. a bad word? It should be. I really it think be it should be a bad word. <laughs> You know, I mean, mom shaming, mom guilt, these things are just um, <clears throat> universally should be like outlawed. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I feel like if we're honest with ourselves, mom guilt is one of those things that's a continual uphill battle, right? That doesn't doesn't necessarily go away every day that it's presented, um, even as a spiritual seeker. So... Even within the confines of a desire to, quote unquote, lay off our societal expectations in different contexts um, that the world lays on us as mothers, there's sort of an element of understanding that, you know, we sort of feel like we never may be completely void of knowing that guilt can lurk around the corner at some point, right? But as a contemplative mother, I it's important for me to be intentional to see it, right? To notice it. And that's why we say noticings today. Um, As a contemplative mother, I can still seek to be present enough to see it coming, to recognize the mom guilt, Mm. and to refuse to let it immerse me in a plethora of unrealistic expectations. We are absolutely not powerless in a culture of expectation and consumption. We are 100% fully able to decide and be present with the divine and in our family's lives and not have everything around us dictated Um, in the sense of, you know, we decide where our time goes. We decide where we put our emotional energy. And honing these noticing skills can really allow us to move forward without the fear, just without the fear of measuring up. That we can just go throughout life being the mom that we are and not having that lurking fear of not measuring up, of feeling guilty about something. Chelsea, I would love to hear a little bit about your experience with mom guilt. Is this something that you struggle with, I'm assuming? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, like as a admitted people pleaser. Um, that's really ever present. It wasn't, you know, honestly, before being a contemplative, I always knew I was a people pleaser, but it was just part of who I was. Now I notice when I, when I'm doing that, um, and mom guilt is weighs heavily on me. It can cause anxiety, um, just because, 
you know, I can feel guilty about dozens of things a day, about not spending enough time with my kids, maybe not disciplining them correctly, um, not appearing well in public, or my kids are kind of out of control. <laughs> right. The public's eyes are on me. You name it. I have felt it. I feel it all the time. Uh, you know, like you, Erin, I notice it so much more. Right. And when you notice things, you can start to name them. Like, why, why am I feeling anxious? You know, I went to a art show with my kids. I'm laughing because it's like, why would you bring three boys to an art show? A breakable <laughs> why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> um, and they just, you know, they don't know how to sit on a couch. They don't know how to not run in open spaces. They don't know the level tone of their voice. And I just full anxiety of just like, oh, my gosh, I was so afraid they were going to break things. You know, how were people perceiving them? Those kind of things. And I just remember looking around with these kind eyes, looking back at my kids and just realizing, like, I'm bringing this mom guilt on me. And that's, you know, and that was just a noticing for me personally. Mm-hmm. You know, so when I notice mom guilt, when it pops up. I really just, it it helps so much to be present to it. Where's this guilt coming from? Is it because I'm trying to please others? Is it because I don't feel good enough or, you know, whatever, whatever um, insecure thing that I have. And I have accepted all my insecurities to me. It's just, again, it's part of who I am and it allows me to name it. And half the time when I name it, I have to laugh. Um, If you haven't noticed, I like to laugh at myself. (laughs) It's good. It's a good trait. (laughs) Like, really, why am I feeling guilty over this? Mm -hmm. You know, it and is it me feeling guilty? Is someone else trying to make me feel guilty? Like, where's the emotions coming from? That's helpful, too. And but I will say sometimes it has something to teach me. You know, absolutely. And I think that's important, too, because especially if I feel guilty about not spending enough time with my kids, Mm -hmm. that can be something that's true. That you know what? You haven't. You haven't spent enough time. And I love your talk earlier about unstructured time with them because that's so true. Mm-hmm. You know, if if this starts popping up, usually that's telling me something. Like I need to spend some time with them either one-on-one um, individually or as a family and do something spontaneous or something adventurous, something, you know, that they want. So there, there is it. lessons in that. Oops. Sorry. I love the background music. Lovely. (laughs) Just realized my phone's not on. Okay. (laughs) All right. Um, You know, and sometimes mom guilt's just a good lesson of letting go. I, for one, you know, I'm ready to let go of the guilt and expectations that we put on ourselves. You know, I feel like Elsa. You know, the let it go. My daughter go. loves that song. I know. Like, that should be a theme sometimes with people is, you Absolutely. know, when we've taken on too much or we're feeling guilty or expectations are too high, just let it go. Take a deep breath and let it go. Yeah. Um. So, Erin, just to pivot back to you, you recently went on a <laughs> retreat by yourself I to did. a retreat center. <laughs> And I got an amazing message from you that really made me think. And you described how you were taken aback, really thinking that you, 
needed to or desired, or I know you're going to get deeper into this, but having this mountaintop spiritual experience and, you know, that you were expecting to have or wanting to have, but then realize something that is so important to being a contemplative. Please dive (laughs) us deeper. Tell us what you experienced and what you realized. So I can share a little bit about this. You know, I've been trying a highly recommended if you are able to do a retreat at some point in time. Um, I went into this with sort of the preface that this is going to be a time of solitude and silence, Um, that that was something that I really felt like I needed. Um, I needed to at least try. (laughs) Um, And so I went to a beautiful retreat center. It's Wesley Garden Retreat Center. It's just outside of Savannah. If you've ever been to Savannah, it's a beautiful city. Um, Don't come in July or August. Just kidding. Um, But, you know, it sat right right next to the river. It was surrounded by marshland. Uh, just this lush coastal beauty and intercoastal waterways everywhere you looked. Um, it was about a million degrees. <laughs> so I don't think I did as much outside as I thought that I was going to. Actually, the heat index for the weekend was 116. Um, so that was just um, insane. Um, but it did give me more time to sit in that silence indoors and um, anyway, I remember it's so funny because I remember calling you and I think I was rambling because I was so nervous. And I remember telling you I was just so nervous about the silence and solitude. It actually gave me anxiety to think about being alone and quiet. Um, and I think a lot of us have that, especially if you're a mom, you're just used to doing and being busy a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I'm also a super social person, so I love being around people. I love talking to people. Um, I love hearing stories. So the idea of being alone and quiet was actually really scary. Um, but as I reflected a little bit about why I was having this anxiety, right? If we can notice that we're having it, then we can name it, um, as you said, Chels. And I realized that what I was struggling with was that I thought there was an expectation from whoever um, that I needed to have this spiritual mountaintop experience, that maybe that's what had happened in the past and in situations like this. And so I needed to go into that and have the same type of experience, um, that there needed to be weeping and inner healing. And I don't know, I just, it was a whole dramatic scene in my head. Um, but I remember you said to me that day, Charles, Aaron, I want you to go into this experience with no other expectation. Just don't go in with expectations. Don't make roles for yourself. Um, you know, meet with the divine, experience nature, um, do things that you enjoy that make you feel connected to divine, but lay aside your roles and expectations. And that was really, really difficult to do. Um, I realized that I like to make my own expectations. And um, more times often than not, I don't meet them. Um But this changed my mindset and that was the most or the largest takeaway from this experience is that I realized that oftentimes, even as moms, we may do this, right? Um, I I don't know if, you know, it's just me, but we go into a spiritual practice or a retreat or um, 
a certain thing where there's we've placed an expectation on ourselves um, that I am supposed to be and have A plus B spiritual experience. And what I realized um, is that this contemplative lifestyle has changed the way in which I view my everyday connection with the divine. And I actually want to read a little bit of what I wrote on um, an Instagram photo that I took while I was there. I made a lot of rules for myself in this solitude retreat this weekend. I am excellent at setting unrealistic expectations and planning out tasks I can't complete. Go figure. So here's a few examples. I wasn't going to post or read anything online. I wasn't going to talk to anyone. Um, I was going to spend hours in, in prayer and silence and meditation. Of course, as usual, um, the divine made it clear to me that this unsurpassable mystery and bounty has to go beyond my idea of a tied up with a perfect bow, box of life and scheduling. So this morning I decided to get up to watch the sunrise over the Moon River. And if you guys know me, this is a miracle if this happens, right? Um, <laughs> honestly, I'm a night owl and I was afraid that I wouldn't wake up. But at 5 a.m., which is very unlike me, I woke up without an alarm. I trekked through the dock, through the nautical twilight, across from the beautiful home where I was staying, and I felt a peace wash over me. And I felt fully present with God and watched the glory of the divine submerge the river with golden colors, likened to thickened oil-like myrrh. A little to my right, there was a pink hue on an egret as he watched me drink my tea from a travel cup, perched on a blanket on top of a picnic table. I watched as the bird gazed at the water just like I did, with an acknowledgement of the sacred that morning light brings on each new day. And the egret knew, just like I did, that this was and always will be a divine moment of mercy in the sunrise every single morning. So I cupped that moment with my hands, the engagement with the egret, the divine secret of beauty of the sunrise, and I put it in the hidden pocket of my heart center. I realized as I tucked away the memory, gazing fondly at the photo later in the day, that when you witness glory like that, you can't make rules about how and when to share it or try and contain it in a small time-stamped box or a photo. It has to be shared with the world. And so here I am writing again more and more each day. I realize that just like the sunrise colors pour out into the open water, the words in my mind are heart photos of everyday stories and memories and moments given from the divine as a gift. And we can't put rules on that. And I share that um, with sort of just the knowledge that there is, in reality, this contemplative lifestyle has given, um, and I know, Chelsea, you are going to share a little bit about this, but has given a level of freedom in my spiritual life. And it's a freedom that I desire for others to experience. Um, as a, whereas a mom and as a spiritual being, this is just my everyday awakening. 
my everyday life now is just genuinely filled with meeting with a divine and normal yet extraordinary moments. And along the way, we get the gift of inviting our children into this journey and connecting with them and showing them the little steps about how to invite the divine into their everyday lives. And so, Charles, I know know you feel similarly because we've had this conversation on the phone, but can you give me – just give us an insight a little bit into how that applies for you, how this insight into the everyday presence of the divine looks like in your life. Yeah, Erin, just to kind of flow with, with what you said and comparing the expectations of what um, certain things are supposed to look like, you know, how is your daily mm-hmm. walk supposed to look like, you know, the the solitude time, stuff like that. And, you know, what I've realized getting away from the expectations and just feeling a continual flow of the presence that is there whenever I notice or recall or ask that it's here. Hmm. And it feels so joyful, like such a connection to something deeper and feeling connected with other people and kind of just walking the this path of eternal presence that I don't have to get away to find right um but it exists in my daily life it's just ever present mm-hmm. it is here whenever i stop to notice. And yeah, that is truly extraordinary for me. I love that, my friend. I think, isn't that the quintessential snapshot of the contemplative motherhood lifestyle? So if anything, this season, if we share any sort of pivotal message or we hope that you have a takeaway from anything that we've rambled on about, We hope you take that. Um, And so leading into our practice is just that. We want to invite you to take a snapshot of an extraordinary moment that actually looks very ordinary in nature. Allow yourself to embrace a spirit of wonder. Make note of your noticing for the week and cup it into your hand for the pocket of your heart vision. Maybe it means writing it down. It may mean that you share it with your Anamkara, which is the Celtic word for soul friend that I use for Chelsea um, and has been used for so long. Maybe it's sharing it with a friend. um, Or maybe it means taking a photograph. Um, In my particular instance that I shared, that's what I did. I enjoyed taking a photograph of that moment. Um, but maybe it's just that you take a snapshot with your heart and then tuck it away. Keep a memory of what it meant to experience the divine in an extraordinary way in your everyday life. Hmm. That is a good ending practice for us. Our quote is from James Finley from his book, The Contemplative Heart. We ask, 
How is it possible to live a contemplative way of life in the midst of today's world? In response, we are invited back into the intimate domain of our own experience of traveling along a path of everyday life in which everything appears to be nothing more than it appears to be. When suddenly, without warning, the ground beneath our feet is mystery. Without warning, we find ourselves falling into the abyss of a star-strewn sky or finding our hearts impaled by a child's laughter or the unexpected appearance of the beloved's face. What is so extraordinary about such moments is that nothing beyond the ordinary is present. It is just a starlit sky, a child at play, someone you love. I love that. One of my favorite books. So friends, it has been quite a season and we are wrapping up season one. Chelsea, I am so thankful to have been here with you this season. And I say we don't let it end. Um, (laughs) This is just the pause button. Um, And we would love to hear from you. We would love to hear about this what this season has done in your life, um, feedback, and we just generally want to thank you for being here in this space with us as contemplative mothers. So we will see you soon. Bye, friends. Thank you again for joining us today on the Contemplative Motherhood Podcast with us, your host, Aaron Thomas and Chelsea Whipple. To get regular updates on our podcast, hear new episode drops, interact with us about past and future episodes, and find our show notes, make sure to go to our website, www.contemplativemotherhood.org. As always, we appreciate your support of this podcast and in helping us share our journey with others. So if you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure to subscribe rate and leave us a review. This helps us to cross paths with other pilgrim mamas across the board. So until next time.